Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards, and we finally have a fight card again to talk about, which is absolutely phenomenal. UFC, I guess it's being dubbed UFC 249, is on for this upcoming weekend. I'm going to give you all of the breakdown of the prelim card But of course, we will only be talking about the prelim card on this show because it is the prelim primer. Now, for some of you who might be new to the show, picking us up after, you know, the long quarantine break, you might be asking yourself, why just talk about the prelims? Why not talk about the main card? And the answer is pretty simple. The answer is that we know you guys have somewhere you go for the main card breakdown. You probably know a lot of the names on the main card, but you don't always know all of the names on the prelim card. And and this card's stacked, but you might not always know all of the names on the prelim card. So... We're here to break that down and help you as far as daily fantasy goes and as far as making your, you know, maybe some gambling picks. But of course, we have to let you know before we get started that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by the Fight Call app. Go to GetFightCall.com to start getting updates on an app that will be coming out to help you make money off of those picks. That's right, you can make money off your picks because... Fight Call app is the best way to play daily fantasy sports. They are going to have you pick a fight card, select the fight card outcomes, and win cash. That's it. You don't have to worry about pesky salary caps or anything else like that. Instead, you are just going to pick who the winner is, how they win, and precisely what round you think they're going to win. And if you're better at that than your friends, boom, money in your pocket. So make sure to get updates on the Fight Call app by going to GetFightCall.com. And then punching in your email address, they're going to be giving away $25 gift cards to the UFC store every week until they launch. Plus, you'll get the updates there. So make sure to check them out, getfightcallapp.com. And of course, I could not do this show without the help of another savvy co-host joining me today from my MMA news, Kristen King. Kristen King, we have fights again. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, fights are back. It seems normal. I'm, I'm happy to be here with you on Saturday morning breaking down the fights. Heck yeah. So, all right, as you guys know, for each of the rounds, we put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Donald Cerrone versus Anthony Pettis. Can't believe it's a prelim fight, but Donald Cerrone is actually riding a a three-fight losing streak. He has losses to Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, and Conor McGregor. Anthony Pettis, one and two in his last three. After knocking out Wonderboy, he lost to Nate Diaz and then Carlos Diego's Fajeda. So, uh, this is one of the two rematches we'll discuss on this card this one being over seven years old, how do you think they've changed and aged since then? Yeah, I think both uh, Anthony Pettis and Donald Cerrone have definitely um, improved a little bit since their last fight. Obviously, I think uh, Pettis stopped Cerrone by like a body kick or something like that. And a lot of people were saying, well, that's the blueprint to beat Cerrone because he couldn't take those body shots anymore. And to a certain degree, that's still kind of true to this day. But I think he does a little bit of a better job of avoiding it and then also masking when he does get hurt because we've seen him go get a hit to the body and we immediately think he's going to crumble. But he hasn't. So he's looked very good Um, overall. Right now, despite the improvements that both men have made since their WEC days, uh, they are both in a similar situation where it does seem like they are leaning towards the end of their career. Their records have not been pretty in the last couple of years. And of course, they're still fighting top tier competition. But um, as far as both of them goes, it's a very different trajectory as to where they were seven years ago when they first met. For sure. And and the thing that's interesting to me, too, when I was looking back at their records, it seems like a lot of those that sort of decline has happened with both of them 
and maybe it's not the reason, but both of them seemingly forgetting their grappling because both of them are amazing grapplers. People forget Anthony Pettis won a title fight with his grappling or two title fights with his grappling. Donald Cerrone, you know, is a submission machine back in WEC. Do you think we see any semblance of that version of Donald Cerrone or Anthony Pettis? I honestly don't. I think that once you get highlight reel knockouts, such as like the Showtime kick and what uh, Donald Cerrone did to Rick's story with that beautiful combination, you start to fall in love with your striking more over the bread and butter that has pretty much kept you in, in, in like the top 10 of your division for the majority of your career. So I don't expect that there is going to be any submission or ground game in this fight. I fully expect that it's going to remain standing, um, which is why I'm sort of leaning towards Anthony Pettis, but only by the slightest of margins. I, I think that if he were to recreate the blueprint that he did uh, back in, what, 20 I think it's 2013 20, yeah yeah 2013 he could find some success but again it's just very hard to really pinpoint how either man could win because they both have various ways to do so but it's just looking at the way that they've been declining over the last couple of years it's really hard so this one for me is really either man's game it just depends on what happens first I think Pettis definitely has the kryptonite to uh to thwart off anything that Cerrone has, but you never know. Cerrone could find his rhythm. We've seen Pettis start fading in second and third rounds recently. So it really could be a toss up between either man. I'm just going to lean with Pettis because he's already done this before. He knows exactly what areas to target when it comes to Cerrone. So for me, my pick would probably be Anthony Pettis by second round TKO. All right. I'm going to go with the same thing. Uh, I'll say that he gets it done earlier. I actually think that, Cerrone has become kind of too hittable at this point in time. And, and mm-hmm. with the way that Pettis is able to put away, you know, he put away Wonder Boy. It's worth noting that that was not that long ago either. Uh, I'm going to go with him. So, and that brings us to our second fight in the first round, which we said the first one's not going to be much grappling. This one will, hopefully. And that's Alexi Olenek versus Fabrizio Verdum. Uh, Olenek, uh, back-to-back TKO losses to Overeem and, and Harris, uh, but then he followed that up by armbarring Maurice Green. So he's back in the win column. Fabrizio Verdum last fought in March of 2018 where he got knocked out by Alexander Volkov and then subsequently got knocked out by USADA. So uh, how do you even think about breaking down or rating Verdum after such a long layoff? I have to be honest, when it came to this fight, I was terrified of breaking it down because these are two of the best grapplers in the heavyweight division and it's just like this fight could be one of those that you know when you have a double knockout it's surprising I wouldn't be surprised if this was like a double submission that's how good these guys are so as far as Fabricio Verdum coming back um yeah of course there's always a little bit of um, concern when they have been on such a long layoff especially due to um, you know a USADA violation but I think that there's not going to really be a missing step for Verdun. This is what he does. This is what he's done for the last several years of his career. So perhaps the layoff may have done good for him. I don't know. Um, as far as this fight, though, I I have to lean towards him because he has another X factor, and that is his striking. It may not be all that great when it comes to comparing other heavyweight contenders, but it is something that he can rely on. He can really punch the ticket on, on Olenek, and we've seen Olenek. He gets stunned, and he doesn't really recover very well. We've seen for Verdum absolutely catch someone, and then it'd be over. It doesn't even need to go to the ground as far as a submission is necessary. So 
I want to lean with Verdum even in the long layoff. I just feel like he has more ways to win. And Olenek, if he doesn't get you to the ground, I mean, that's pretty much it. He just wants to tie you up, get you to the ground, and look for a submission. Fabricio Verdum is not going to be like that. Yeah, and, and I'm also going to add one more thing in there because you said that, you know, the, the striking being the X factor too. I, I'll add a Y factor in here too then because I think Verdum's uh, gas tank and Verdum's cardio is going to be just so much better than Olinix as well. So I, I'm going to go by Verdum, and I'm actually going to say he tires him out to the point where he gets a late submission here. How do you see him getting it done? Yeah, you know what? I'm just going to go submission two. I'm going to say a late one as well. I, I see them at least being on the floor for a little wi- for a little while, and then eventually Verdum is going to slap something on there and get him um, get Olinix out of there. All right. Well, that's going to do it for round number one. We're going to take a quick break, talk to our sponsors, and we'll be right back with round number two. All right, guys, it's been a long break, and maybe you guys haven't been training that much, but I do want to remind you that you should go to whatever app store you use and download the Maroon Social app. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app to track your martial arts progress It is by far the best way to make notes, keep up with your progress, and log competitions. And now I know you're probably not training that much right now, but Maroon Social also has an exercise function where you can log your exercise sessions. So while you're used to logging all of your martial arts training sessions and keeping notes on that, you can also log your runs, your jogs, maybe you're cycling a whole bunch, maybe you're doing some calisthenics, whatever it is you're doing, log it in there so that when you get back to training and you get back in the gym, you'll have a place where everything is all in one area. Once again, that's Maroon Social. Now, let's head back for round number two. And we are back with round number two. Gonna put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this one by talking about Carla Esparza versus Michelle Waterson. So Esparza on a two-fight win streak. She's beaten Virna Jandaroba and Alexa Grasso. Waterson recently lost her three-fight win streak in a close battle with Joanna Jan Jacek. Now, it's obviously no secret what Esparza wants here. She loves to wrestle. She works her top game. Do you think the size disparity allows her to do that to Waterson, or do you see her being able to prevent that from happening? Um, I, you know what? I don't know. I expect obviously Carla to uh, rely on her wrestling a little bit more. Um, as far as Michelle Watterson, we know that she likes to remain on the outside, kind of use that kickboxing range, but I don't know if she'll have the chance to do that against Carla Esparza. Carla Esparza is a little bulldog. She will definitely ragdoll you and get you to the ground and hold you there. Um, so I don't know if Michelle is going to be able to handle something like that. I mean, she does well on the ground, but against someone like uh, Carla Esparza, I just don't see how uh, Watterson can pick up a win here. And what's scary, too, is that a lot of people have trashed the striking of Carla Esparza in the last couple of years, but it definitely has been improving. So it's not going to be like a one-stop thing where, oh, all I have to do is avoid her wrestling and then I'm fine. It's not going to be like that. She's been improving in her striking. So now Michelle Watterson has to worry about multiple things in this fight. So we'll see how this one goes. I Myself, I'm leaning towards Carla Esparza. I can see her using a wrestling-heavy game plan and, and Michelle Watterson really having uh, no answer for it, even though I, I think she's great. I think she's one of the most well-rounded women in the strawweight division. I just don't see a path to victory for her in this fight. The, the interesting thing to me will be how Esparza reacts to the kicks. Because Watterson uses the kicks really well, often to create distance or keep distance. But in this case, if she is catching any of the kicks or react, you know, checking any of the kicks, 
getting reactions out of the kicks, Asparza can use that for the takedown. And it's going to be interesting to see whether it, it just creates distance or if it creates opportunities for Asparza like that. And I think really that might wind up being the, the answer to whether or not she gets her wrestling going. So you said you're leaning Asparza. How do you see you're getting it done? All right. And I'm going to actually go against you on this one. I actually think Watterson probably keeps the distance enough to look good on the judges scorecard. She scrambles well. And, and I'm going to take her by unanimous decision as well. But this is definitely a close one. Speaking of close ones and ones that are difficult to call, let's talk about Uriah Hall versus Jacare Souza. Uriah Hall on a two-fight win streak. He knocked out Bevan Lewis and then won a split decision over Antonio Carlos Jr. shoeface. Jacare, after a quick foray into the light heavyweight division where he lost a split decision to Jan Blankovic, he's back at middleweight where he's alternated wins and losses in his last six fights. So I've been really impressed by Uriah Hall in his first outing under under Fortis MMA. He's actually living at Fortis MMA now during the, the quarantine. But here's the question. Is that enough for him to sort of crack that top tier like so many people have believed he was right on the precipice of doing? You know what? I think this is the perfect time for him to do so. I know a lot of people were definitely disappointed when he emerged from the Ultimate Fighter and did not live up to the uh, fighter that he was in the house. But I think he has really honed in on his skills. Thankfully, he went to Fortis MMA and really started to sharpen everything that we know he's capable of. So I feel like this is his moment. He got this big name uh, in, in Jacare Souza. Uh, who has himself, I know we talked about declines earlier when it came to Anthony Pettis and Donald Cerrone, but this is also another fighter who has kind of been on a decline as hard as it is for me to admit that, because even though in his age, Jacare Souza is one of the most dangerous fighters still in the middleweight division. So I think that this is, number one, a pure classic grappler versus striker matchup and while i am almost always inclined to go with the grappler for obvious reasons i think uriah hall gets it done this time i think he's in the right moment and and ronaldo souza is not anymore so I, I think that uriah hall finally gets his chance to shine and we could see a big upset here yeah i i actually i'm very surprised that you went with this because i thought i was going out on a limb on my own here but i also think i like uriah hall in this one Mostly because if you look through, you know, like what what the losses Jacare has had recently, like he lost to the kickboxer and Jan Blakovich, he kind of got boxed up a little bit by Calvin Gastelum. Like if Calvin Gastelum is boxing you up a little bit, like Uriah Hall's going to box you up a little bit. And obviously the difference there is like, can Uriah Hall wrestle like you know Calvin Gastelum, and can he keep Jacare off of him like Calvin Gastelum? That that's obviously the bigger question mark here, but. I mean, I, I, I think with the, the fact that Jacare has been getting tentative, you know, like he was against Jan Blankovic, if he's tentative at all against Uriah Hall, it just plays right into Hall's hands. I'm interested to see his improvements at, now that he's been at Fortis for a longer period of time and in a more intense period of time. Um, how do you see Hall getting it done? I, okay, this might sound crazy. But I, I'm going to say by technical knockout, second round, Uriah Hall. I know it's insane to say that, but the thing is, Uriah Hall, it can go one of two ways. Either he shows up and gives us one of those insane, hellacious knockouts, or he just doesn't get it done and Ronaldo takes a decision. But I just don't see it. I feel like we've seen a steep decline in, in, in Jacare, which could open up a knockout. I know he hasn't been knocked out very often, but I think Uriah Hall is the one to do it. 
All right, so I'm actually going to go against you on that one because I don't think he's going to give him knockout, but I do think the intensity has been amped up enough for him to win the rounds that he needs to take a unanimous decision here. So I'm going to go with uh, Uriah Hall by unanimous decision. And that's going to do it for our second round. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with three more fights in the third round. All right, guys, before we head on to round number three, I just want to tell you about Battle Clan Gear. Go to BattleClanGear.com, use promo code TURTLEUP10, T-U-R-T-L-E-U-P-1-0, and you're going to get 10% off some awesome grappling gear. It is both high quality in its feel and its performance. You're definitely going to want to check them out. They also have other things on there, like just casual wear, like sweatshirts and things like that. They've got coffee mugs. Go ahead and check them out for their whole line, BattleClanGear.com. Now, back for round number three. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this one by talking about Vicente Luque versus Nico Price. Luque was on a six-fight win streak. That was recently snapped by a loss to Wonderboy. And then Nico Price is 2-1 and one in his last three. He most recently upkicked James Vick into oblivion. So th- these two last fought in October of 2017. Not really all that long of a rematch. Is there any reason to believe it will be any different than last time? I mean, not necessarily, perhaps in the method of finishing, I think that it could be different. I can definitely see a knockout uh, arising in this fight because these two are some of the most talented strikers that they have in the welterweight division. And I mean, if you look at the names Nico Price and Vicente Luque, the first word that should come to your mind is knockout because that's exactly what they're capable of. So I know in the rematch, I mean, in the first fight, they had a Darce choke submission by, by Luque, which was great. But I feel like this fight could be different. I, I think that uh, Luque gets it done again. But this time, it's going to be by knockout. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that one, too. I just don't think Nico Pre- – like, he's, like, a, a very exciting fighter. He's very awkward. But, like, I see him knocking out the James Vicks and the, the Randy Browns. I don't see him knocking out the Vicente Luques of the division in the top 15 guys. So, yeah, I'm going to go Luque by knockout, too. And I think, you know, the aggression of Nico Price makes it happen probably in the first round. How about you? Yeah, I could see that. You know, Price is a very, he isn't totally technical, but he is so weird and creative that it does open up these spots for him to probably get a knockout. But I I don't think Vicente Luque is going to be lulled into that kind of fight. I mean, sometimes I know he's able to drop his hands and just start swinging with reckless abandonment. But I, I honestly don't see how Nico Price gets it done here. Like you said, I see him knocking out those guys like a James Vick. Yeah, that's very obvious. But when it comes to someone like Vicente Luque, I just don't see it. So I'm going to give Vicente Luque a first-round knockout. All right, and here's the fight I'm most excited about, and that's Bryce Mitchell versus Charles Rosa. So Bryce Mitchell, 3-0 in the UFC. He's got a decision wins over Tyler Diamond and Bobby Moffitt, and then he twistered Matt Salas. Charles Rosa is 2-1 in his last three. He's coming over that performance of the night submission over Manny Bermudez, where he looked pretty good in his grappling. And obviously, this is a big fight as far as grappling fans go. Both fighters looking to take this to the ground. Do you see it heading there at all, or do you see this being one of those ones where they sneakily cancel each other's grappling? You know what? I definitely see it going to the ground. I think both of them are pretty accomplished grapplers. I just give Mitchell the slight advantage here. Um it could go and stay on the ground for the entire fight. But I also think that something that is not talked about a lot is the striking difference between the two. I think a lot of the time, Bryce Mitchell, when we see him fight, it's 
pretty obvious that he needs to work on his striking, whereas Charles Rose's is, 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 is a little bit better. It's a little bit more technical. It's a little bit more honed in. Um, and, and Bryce Mitchell is not there yet. That could be just because he's still in the early stages of his career. He hasn't been a professional for that much long. So um, I could definitely see it going to the ground. But if there's any X factor here, it could be Charles Rose's moment to stay standing and kind of expose the holes that we've been seeing in Bryce Mitchell. Um, as far as the rest of the fight goes, I think a lot of people are making a good comparison, I guess, because Rosa did just beat uh, another submission specialist in Manny Bermudez. But I think that the the playing field between Bermudez and, and, and Mitchell is so different. I think Mitchell is definitely a little bit better than and than Manny Bermuda. So if it does go to the ground, I could definitely see some issues there. Um, but I don't know. This one's a tough one to call. I, I'm excited for this one as well. I just can't wait to see what they're going to do because I know this is going to be a scramble-heavy fight, and I, I love those. So I don't know who I'm picking in this fight. Maybe I'll lean toward Bryce Mitchell a little bit and obviously by way of submission. I just don't know when. All right, and, and I, I like that pick, but here's the weird thing for me too is I, I think a lot of people have been high on Bryce Mitchell's grappling, and I think you're right. He's got a completely different game than Manny Bermudez. But the other thing that you can notice about Bryce Mitchell is he concedes a lot of takedowns. He gives a lot of them up, and if you look at the people who he's fought, I really think that he has a you know he's got a good sweep game. He he works well from the bottom. He scrambles well. But he also hasn't fought grapplers like Charles Rosa, you know. So, like, if he finds himself on the bottom here, I think the ability to sweep and scramble or work his way to the top or, or whatever or submit from the bottom even, I think that sort of goes away against somebody like Charles Rosa. And we find, like you said, you know, he's got a, a striking disparity there. I think we're going to see him in trouble early on losing rounds and have to be sort of slugging his way back in, and I don't think it's going to go well. I'm actually going to go by Charles Rosa by decision here, so that'll be our second difference. And that gives us just a little bit of time to talk about the last fight, which should be an easier one, which is Ryan Spann versus Sam Alvey. Ryan Spann, 3-0 in the UFC. He decisioned Luis Enrique. He knocked out Little Nogue, and he guillotined uh, Devin Clark. Sam Alvey's on a three-fight skid. He's got uh, stoppage losses to the aforementioned Little Nogue, also to Jimmy Crew, and then he lost the decision to Clinton Abreu, which was maybe not the most exciting fight in the world. Now, obviously, uh, Alvey, a huge underdog, but he's got power here. H how much of a percent chance do you give him to actually land any of that power? Oh, man, I, I really don't want to count anybody out, but with Sam Alvey and the current trajectory of his career and being finished in two out of those fights, by way of knockout, I just don't give him that much of a percentage to un unleash anything. Because I know Sam Alvey has sneaky good power. I know it's unexpected, but we've seen him knock out a lot of guys. But against someone like Brian Spann, I just don't see it happening. I feel like Spann has a size advantage. He typically starts out fast. He's super dangerous early on. If he just clips Sam Alvey in the first couple of seconds and there's any indication of Alvey being hurt... I think we're in for a pretty short fight with this one. Yeah, and, and Spam is just an absolute beast, too. I, I feel like, uh, again, another Fortis guy, right? So, like, we, we've already sung the praises of Fortis. So, like, he is both a genetic freak being huge, strong, and in addition to that, too, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Like, he, he has really cleaned up his game since his first stint on the Contender Series, and, and I don't think he makes a mistake here against a guy like Alvy, who's, for the most part, a, a big power counterpuncher, and I don't see him landing it here. So I, I'm going to go Span. I'm going to go Span by first-round knockout, too. I think he gets it done early. How about you for your final prediction? I couldn't agree with you more. It's definitely going to be Span first-round knockout. 
All right, and that's it. That's seven fights. You guys are back in a fight week for the very first time, so we hope you guys enjoy it as much as we do. We'll be back next week with two fight cards by the sounds of it, so that's exciting. I'm going to have to figure out how to do that. But, of course, I want to thank my guest this week, Kristen King, from My MMA News. Make sure to follow her at Kristen King MMA on Twitter. Thanks so much, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. Can't wait to do it again.